You take your Bible, if you would please, to the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter number 20 for just a moment this morning. And uh, I sure rejoice that you're here today and uh, trust that God will bless you for being here this day. It's a good day to be in God's house, cold outside. I'm telling you, just a good day to be here. I would like to preach to you today on this subject, holy heartburn. Have you ever had just plain old heartburn? You can't swallow it. You can't spit it up. You just can't hardly take anything for it. It just hangs there. They say Prilosec helps. I have no idea. They say that a lot of cold milk helps. I have no idea. They say a lot of cold water helps. But I know one thing. When you got it, you know you have it. Has your heart grown just a dab cold? It's easy to allow our heart to become cold to the things of God. I said, we, not you. Amen. Now, hunting season is upon us. And I know there's guys in our church has become apathetic in spiritual things for the last two weeks. Christmas is upon us. Black Friday is quick approaching. I know none of those things ever gather our attention. We've just had an election. We're still having elections. I don't think we'll ever get over the elections. And I think maybe some of that has gathered our attentions. So I want to read for you just a few scriptures in, out of the book of Jeremiah, chapter number 20. God has called Jeremiah the prophet to preach a political incorrect message to, Jew, to Israel. He is preaching judgment beyond all imagination. He's talking about people inside the walls of Jerusalem actually eating their own children because of the besiege that is outside the city. It is a terrible, terrible message. But Jeremiah has to be true to God and preach that message. And this is the result. The Bible said, now Pasher, verse 1, the son of Emmer, the priest, who was also chief governor in the house of the Lord, heard that Jeremiah prophesied these things. And Pasher smote Jeremiah, the prophet. Smote, that means hit, slap, knock 
fire from his face. The preacher. That's a good way to end a service. Would you say amen? So Pasha, the governor of the house of God, resented the message and took his cruel fist and hit the prophet and put him in stocks. That's not the market. (laughs) See Jeremiah there in front of the house of God with his mouth, his face bleeding, his feet and hands locked in the cruel wood stocks making him a mocking of everybody who comes to the house of God. Here the priest has been preaching. He who standing on the pulpit thundering the message of God now is humiliated and humbled seated at the entrance of the house of God in mockery and he's there in pain. Verse 7. And Jeremiah responds and said, O Lord, thou hast deceived me. This has not turned out like it's supposed to. You're supposed to be judging Israel, but I am the only one that is being judged. He said, Thou hast deceived me, and I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I, and hast prevailed. I'm in derision and daily, and everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried. I cried violence and spoiled because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me and a derision daily. Then I said, I will not make mention of him nor speak any more in his name. I quit. I'm done. I'm not going back to church. I've been disappointed. I've been disillusioned. I'm discouraged. I've been judged. Things didn't turn out like they're supposed to. I quit. Notice the conjunction, but. It's capitalized, but. His word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing and I could not keep my mouth shut. I could not quit. I couldn't spit out the calling. I couldn't swallow the calling. I couldn't look at Calvary with a dry eye. I couldn't recall the gospel story without it burning a hole in my soul. Here is a prophet with holy heartburn. 
here is a Christian who could not quit even though things didn't turn out like they're supposed to. His ministry is down the drain. He's a laughing stock at everybody he's been preaching to. And he said, I can't take it any longer. I'm done. I'll quit. I'm not going back. Nobody down at the church loves or appreciates me. But his word was in my heart a burning fire. <laughs> it's so easy to allow our hearts to become cold. We used to sing, but we don't sing anymore. We used to be in the choir, but our fire has gone out. While we even came on Sunday night and our fire went out. The excitement is gone. I think what we need is just a good old-fashioned dose of holy heartburn. Something we can't spit up even when deer season rolls around. Something we can't swallow even if we don't like the way it tastes. We just need a dose of old-fashioned holy heartburn. Well, have you got the drift yet of what I'm going to preach on this morning? Turn in your Bible, if you would please, to the book of Luke chapter 24. And we bring it from the Old Testament into the New Testament. It is Easter morning in the life of Jesus. It is resurrection morn for all the disciples. Should be the most exciting time of all their life. And we gather around a couple walking down the road. In Luke 24, verse 13, and behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus which was from Jerusalem about three score furlongs or six or seven miles. You say, now how do you know that? How do you know that's not true? Have you ever been to a mess? Is there a freeway that way or is it just a, well, now let's go. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. Now, in my Bible, I underlined these things, these things. Because I know a lot of people are worried more about these things than they are the thing. And so they were discussing these things that had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Oh, that's the one that three days ago 
they put on the cross. Oh, oh, that was the promised Messiah. That was the fraud of all frauds because he died and he's in a tomb. And so they're walking back to where they came from because their promise has died. But their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these that you have one to another as you walk and are, what's the next word? Kind of reminds you of Baptist folk, don't it? We come to church and all we worried about is what time is it? Dear God, he's going to preach all day for sure. And we're going to miss Chow Down Sunday down at Dairy Queen. Sad, isn't it? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered and said unto them, Art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem? And hast thou not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, What? Things, And they said unto him concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and the rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. Why are you sad? Our Messiah is dead. Everything we believe has been a farce. He's a fraudulent Messiah. Verse 21, and we trusted, watch this, we trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Oh, our political hope is gone. Our biblical Trump has done died on us. We were expecting him to deliver us from Rome. He was a political Messiah. He was not a spiritual savior. He was a a Messiah to deliver us from bondage. And we trusted in politics. Don't get mad at me now. We'll get better. Okay. Are you ready? Well, Verse 22, yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished, which were early at the sepulcher. And when they found not the body, they came, saying that they had seen a vision of angels, which said that he was alive. Certain of them, which were with with us, went uh, to the sepulcher and found it even so. And as the women had said, but him they saw not. Then he said, Verse 25 unto them, O fools, O fools, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? Now watch this. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, 
he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. How would you like to go to a revival service and Jesus himself opens to the book of Genesis and expounds everything between Genesis and Malachi, the things pertaining to himself. That might make even a Baptist shout. That might even warm our refrigerated hearts. You see, we Baptists have some words mixed up. The word dignified and petrified, we've got it all mixed up. Amen. I wonder today if God should reach down and set a, your heart on fire, if maybe any of it would come to fruition. Somebody said, well, I don't shout. Now, that probably ain't the only thing you don't do. Amen. Watch this now. Two mealy-mouthed Baptists walking down the road, sad, down the dumps, mully grub, complaining about how long the sermon was or how short the song was. And Jesus walks up beside him and begins to listen to him and said, why are you guys sad? And he said, what I would like to do is recommend to you a counselor that could help you in your emotional distress. It only costs a dollar a minute. How many days would you like to go? No. He referred them to something more substantial than the psychologist or the psychiatrist or the family counselor. He began at Moses and the prophets and expounded and opened to him the scriptures. Now, what would be the result of something like that? They'd probably say, well, Jesus, do you know what time it is? Watch this now. You say, preacher, are you going to start preaching? I think the Bible's doing a pretty good job because half of you's already mad at me and I haven't written any of it. I've just been reading it, right? And the Bible said, and they drew nigh unto the village, whether they went, and he made us, though he would have gone farther. But they constrained him, saying, Abide with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is far spent. And he went in to tarry with them. And it came to pass, as he sat at meat with them, he took bread and blessed it and break and gave to them. Now watch something happen really supernatural. And their eyes were opened. Now, I don't know what opened their eyes. Listen to me. Maybe as he served them bread and meat, they saw scars in his hand. Maybe as they became so closely engrossed in him, they recognized some scars in his forehead where just a few days ago rests the crown of thorns. I don't know what opened their eyes, 
But your Bible says, and their eyes were open. And now, and they knew him. Not to church, not to preacher, him. And he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us by the way and while he opened to us the scripture. Oh, how we need an old-fashioned dose of holy heartburn. Something that won't wear out when things get tough. Something that'll still be there because things are going to get tough. Something that will float us across the river of despair. Something that will hold us when the lightning and thunders of life begins to flash and roar in our life. When a loved one walks up to us and says, I don't love you anymore. When a boss that we've given our life to walks up and says, today will be your last day. I just believe that we need something to hang on to. When we're threatened with discouragement and tempted to quit and become so despondent, we just don't know what to do. We should remember the spiritual condition of England just 200 years ago. Where in England 200 years ago, you get drunk for one penny, dead drunk for two pennies. In a certain section of town, there was only one Bible in the whole town. And it was used to prop up a flower pot. And then in 1738, a thinly young man by the name of John Wesley staggered into a revival meeting. And that night he listened to the sermon and his heart was touched and his heart was warmed and his heart was lifted spiritually up to heaven and he left that place and changed an entire nation. We need for God to do it again. Our only hope in this country is for hot hearts and a lot fewer hot heads. Our text, we see two different situations. We see a prophet who's obedient to preach God's message. But in his heart, he felt betrayed by that God. He was willing to serve God as long as it was on his terms. As long as everything turned out like he felt it ought to turn out, then he would serve God. 
He'll be there when things are turning out like he wants them turned out. But whenever God has a different plan in mind, he quits. He sets down. He says, I'm done. I'm not going back. And in his despair and in his disappointment and in his discouragement, he quit God. Or he thought he quit God. Let me tell you, if you can quit, quit. If your God is no bigger than that, quit. If the word of God is no sharper and powerful than that in your heart, it would be a blessing to God if you did quit. Well, I'm going to quit. No, you never get started. Told my wife the other day, I was kind of looking for a little compliment. I said, what do you think of that sermon this morning? She said, well, if you'd studied, I think it'd have been great. (laughs) I dare not to tell my wife that I'm going to quit. She'll say, when did you start? (laughs) Well, I'm going to quit. Quit. Take your little two shoes and hit the road, Jack. but I'm not the one you're going to have to answer to. But you're the one I'm mad at. Do you think I care about that? I'll lose a lot of sleep tonight over that. Well, I'm going to quit. God said, you want to bet? Two guys said, I'm going to walk around in the rest of my life like a Baptist in the molly grubs. God said, you want to bet? I said, no, you won't. Reminds me of that Baptist deacon. Faithful to prayer meeting as he could be, he was. And every prayer meeting, he always closed out the prayer meeting with these words. Dear God, please clear out the cobwebs of my life. Amen. That went on for several weeks. And on Wednesday night, they gathered together. Sure enough, the old deacon stood up and said, Dear God, that I, in closing, please clear out all the cobwebs of my life. Old lady on the back row stood, set up, stood up and said, Dear God, don't listen to him. Kill the spider. Let's kill the spider. Because all of us have cobwebs in our life. Your cobweb may not look like mine, but you better know it. We've all got cobweb, cobweb. We've got something in our life. We sure do. And sometimes I can't get it out, but we'll get it out. Let's kill the spider. Kill the spider. Dear God, our old hearts have become cold. You know, just as a personal observation, uh, almost done. Uh, as I observe churches, and for years I preached in churches all over America and just all over. And I observed that our churches 
are not filled with hot hearts, but they're filled with hot heads. I see our churches filled with figure figureheads, sore heads, dead heads, and hot heads, and a very few hot hearts. Christians are like cats drowning in milk. Bibles on every shelf. Churches on every corner. You can go to the church of your choice. Preaching 24 hours a day. TV, radio, CDs, DVDs, YouTube, my tube, everybody else's tube. And yet with all of that, we're so cold-hearted, empty spiritually. We need a heart-warming experience. Christians are so afraid of getting out on a limb, they never get up in the tree. Well, I just don't get involved. I'll get hurt. What's the problem? In Luke chapter 24, I I think I recognize a few problems. Let me please share with them as I close in about five, six minutes. Watch this. Now, don't put me on the clock. I saw seven of you push a button on your phone. How many folk remember weeks ago I preached a sermon entitled uh, The Harvest and I asked all of you folks to set an alarm on your clock to pray for laborers, Matthew 9.38. So at 9.38 a.m., my phone goes off. 9.38 p.m., it goes off. I get so tired of my wife saying, time to pray! She could just say, won't you turn your dumb phone off? Don't put me on the timer now. I got five minutes, okay? Watch this. Watch this. What's the problem? Okay, let's look at the problem. Verse 15 and 16, spiritual blindness. The Bible said, and it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holden and they should not know him. Spiritual blindness. Our world's going to hell because of spiritual blindness. The Bible said that God of this world hath their minds blinded lest the light of the glorious gospel should shine through. The devil is working overtime to keep America and every sinner in the world blind to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, if there's just one iota of a chance, you'll die and go to hell. You'll never have a warm heart. You'll never have happiness. You'll never have peace. You'll never be happy within yourself. And here we are. We're sitting in the midst of spiritual blindness. Now, this country is a God of many God, a nation of many gods. No longer when they talk about God do they talk about the God of the Bible. Several years ago, that was the only God we knew anything about. But now we got gods everywhere. We got 
all kinds of gods. We got big gods, little gods, women gods, men gods, kids gods, got all toad fraud gods. We got all kind of gods. And we're sitting here as spiritually as blind as a bat. Don't know which way to turn. No wonder we're sad. No wonder we're arguing with everybody. No wonder we can't agree on anything. We're spiritually blind. Uh, who Jesus really is. Notice verse 17. If you're spiritually blind, you're sad. You're sad. Don't you just hate to see some folks out there? They look like they had ground glass for breakfast. Hmm? It really looks like that somebody put gunpowder in their post hostess and they're just waiting to shake hands with somebody so it can blow up in each other's face. Ain't we happy? You argue with your wife all the way from the house here because she is late getting in the car. You walk into church and turn on that phony smile. I'm so glad we're here. You wanted to kill every kid you got before you got to the church house and you promised them if they didn't straighten out, you'd run over them with the car before they got to the church house door. But we're, we're happy. <laughs> Amen. If your God just died, you'd be sad. By the way, Well, I better not say anything about the stock market. <laughs> Sidetracked and worried about things, verse 18, 19. Struggling with the faith in verse 21 to 24. We trusted in him being the political leader. And why aren't these folks rejoicing that the Messiah has just arisen from the dead? Why is it that they cannot realize that Jesus is now alive and will be alive evermore? And they're sad. Their ship just sunk. Well, could I ask you in closing, uh, what is our reaction when God disappoints us? How do we act, could I please ask you, when we feel that life is unfair to us? I don't deserve this. I married him for better or for worse. This is too worse. Just think, when Brother Sean's wife married him, he had hair. And he was a Marine. Sharpshooter. <laughs> what? Kelly, life is not fair all the time, you know. How do we react? Do we puff up like a toad frog with a hand grenade in our hand? Don't know which way we're going to jump? Well, I'm not going to church today because they just don't. Somebody, did you see them? They didn't even shake my hand. How do we react? Their problem was these things, but how do we react when the Christian, another Christian disappoints us? You know how many of my kids have been a disappointment? Six out of six. You know, man, how many of their daddies been a disappointment to them? One out of one. I should have, but I didn't kick him out. 
I'm still thinking about Mandy. But how do we react? How do we react when we feel that life's not fair to us or a Christian friend don't speak to us or the doctor gives us a bad diagnosis? Or maybe the pastor preaches an unfavorable message. Or that we are brought face to face with political correctness is not always biblical correctness. How do we react? How do we feel? Oh, maybe we've just discovered why your fire went out. But thank God it don't have to stay out. Amen. Those same fellas said, man, something's going on downstairs. What is that that I can't spit up or swallow or get rid of? (laughs) I bet that's holy heartburn. Well, how did we get it? Did not our hearts burn within us as they talk with us along the way? Just a little talk with Jesus. We'll make it right. Who you been talking to? You want me to give you Jesus' phone number so you can text him? B-L-O-O-D. Blood. Let us have a little talk with Jesus. Tell him all about our troubles. He will hear us by and by. <laughs> Who are you talking to? Did not our hearts burn within us as he talked with us along the way and while he opened to us the scriptures? I read one time, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Thy word, O Lord, was a burning fire in my heart. The word is the lamp unto my feet and the light unto my path. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed unto the word of God. The Bible says, search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. Thy word, O Lord, is settled in heaven. The only book that can lift your heart toward heaven is a heavenly book. And it's God's book. And it'll work, it'll work till Jesus comes. Dear God, our hearts needs to be lifted toward heaven. Why in our discouragement, as I, when I do this, that means I'm done. Why in our discouragement, and we all get discouraged, why in our disappointments, and we all get disappointed? Would you believe that I fell out of bed last night? I thought I'd broke everything in the floor. My wife ran around the bed and said, are you okay? 
I wanted to slap her. Our bed's about this high. You say, you're as old as you are and can't stay in bed. My heart was hot on fire. And I fell plumb out of bed. She ran over and said, you okay? I said, well, my hands hurt, my feet's hurting. I think I broke my back and my neck is hurting. And in my disappointment, laying there on the floor, realizing I'm a 79-year-old helpless old man, I said, give me my phone. I got, I got to text somebody. Maybe I can find the answer to this dilemma on social media. Please get Google and ask them how I'm supposed to get up. Why is it in our despair we always turn to a secular source to meet our spiritual need? Why is it in our disagreements and our discouragement and our despondency and our disillusion we seek secular sources to fix our spiritual need. Thy word, O Lord, is settled in heaven. Oh, Jeremiah said, I'm done. I quit. It's not working and I'm tired. And these three words, but his word. I'd quit if it wasn't for his word. I'd lay down if it wasn't for his word. I wouldn't come back to church, but his word. I'm tired of them six kids, but his word. My wife's tired of me. She's not very smart, but his word. What are you tired of? What put the fire out? Tell you I can get it back. His word. His word. Only a heavenly book can point your soul in a heavenly direction. 